Listening to the Coffee Hour, I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Mental Health Monday. We're going to check in with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman here in just a moment, continuing our series on trust. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin. Thank you for your support of the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. It is time to check in with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman for Mental Health Monday. Good morning, Heidi. Good morning. Happy Mental Health Monday. Looking forward to continuing our series today. Yeah, today we're going to talk about how is trust built? How is trust built? And so we talked in our last episode a little bit about how trust, I think, as a noun, but also as a verb. And so really recognizing that there's parts of trust that are very passive. They're just inside of us from our early childhood experiences. And so we build from that our whole lives. You know, it's part of the way development works. And I really think it's the way that God knit our bodies into being, um, that our past experiences inform our current experiences, but he also can offer uh, new perspectives and healing and all of that. Uh, we're not you know, married to those past experiences uh, and what they mean to us. And so we're going to talk today about trust as mostly the active portions. Um, hmm. So so that's a different way, you know, than we've been talking about. I feel like we're so far been talked a lot about how there's this sense of safety that comes from our relationships that we have around us and from our relationship with God. But I think a lot of us are curious, but what can I do about if I don't feel trust or if I'm having a hard time giving trust? Or this is a question I get a lot, if trust is broken, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so it, I'm thinking of starting with a question for both of you, and then we can kind of consider some of our listeners because they sent in some answers to this question too. So you don't have to answer this question alone this time, Andy and Sarah, but what does your, what does a sense of trust feel like for you? You know, what are the kind of signals uh, in your mind, in your body, or between uh, you and another person in relationship that say, Hey, uh, there's some trust here. So what do you think, Andy and Sarah? Mm, it's a feeling question. I'll defer to Sarah and then I'll come back. <laughs> Fine. Um, <laughs> I, well, the funny thing is a lot of it is about uh, like how it feels in your body when you're, uh, when you're considering trust, I guess, if, if anyone actually like thinks about that, I guess we, we probably do. Um, like there's a, there's a sense of peace uh, that this person is not going to harm you, at least not on purpose. Um, there's a an open an open manner, an open demeanor in in the relationship, uh, and and it, it. I don't know. There's we talk about this. We've talked about this a bunch, but that you feel safe uh, that that you aren't going to be uh, rejected or harmed. And if if something is wrong or if something happens, if there's something bad, it's those people that I turn to. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the people that I trust because those are the people that I know are, have my back, I guess. Mm-hmm. Your turn, Andy. Mm. <laughs> wow. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. Gosh. You can do this, Andy. I can you do can this. Do I can it. talk about feelings. Um, 
on a Monday. Maybe you should say emotions. I think that'll help you emotions. feel like a little bit better about it. Like we're going to talk about our emotions. We're not, not just feelings. It's so like squishy for people sometimes. <laughs> I, I do think um, warmth. Mm-hmm. Is that a feeling? Absolutely. Is that an emotion? Okay, mm-hmm. warmth. Um, there's a sense of warmth um, and, and comfort that um, that I can speak openly about things that other people might assume I'm crazy for thinking or feeling. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the fact that I can and share something like that um, demonstrates some level of trust. Obviously, mm-hmm. there are different levels of trust um, with different people in my life. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I guess warmth is perhaps what uh, trust feels like. Yeah, I love that. I think that's really helpful. Both of the things that you guys are identifying, we use the word sense a lot. There's just a sense of safety, a sense of being able to say what you want to be able to say and share or comfort and security and warmth. And so I really challenge you guys and the listeners next time you have, because there is this place where we're just experiencing trust and we're not really thinking about it, but occasionally you'll be in a conversation with someone and then you'll have this really cognitive experience of, oh, I think I can share this or, oh, you know, it just really comes to mind that there is some trust happening. Pay attention to your body when that happens. You know, what is coming up for you? And I think, Andy, one of the reasons we call it warmth is because it's, it is, there's a literal sense of warmth that tells us that we are experiencing safety so often. But whereas if we have a sense of coldness or detachment, then that doesn't feel safe. There isn't that trust there. But these are all like very subconscious things happening. Most of the time we don't recognize them or stop to notice them. And so in when, you know, I'm an EMDR therapist, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And one of the main things we do in that work is noticing what our bodies do uniquely because people are different, but also kind of universally as humankind, different ones that happen across the board, like that sense of warmth where it comes up in your chest, maybe, or other people experience it in their head and things like that. And so again, I I think that sounds pretty squishy, (laughs) but it's pretty amazing how it's connected to neuroscience and our spine. And so maybe if I go into a little bit of the science of that, it'll help us accept some of the squishiness of it, if you will. Um, And so trust is both passive and active. We said that over and over again, but by that, we also mean visceral as well as cognitized. And I think I made up the word cognitized, but I like it, so I'm keeping it. So uh, that's what you could do that, right? When you're a researcher and everything and you get to make stuff up. No, I'm just joking. I I think that the concept of cognitized is where we move it from a subconscious idea to a conscious idea. And so trust, we experience just in our spine, in our minds, in our hearts even, um, as this sense that you both acknowledged when we were talking about that. It's very visceral. It just happens and it comes up in us. It helps to spur on conversations. You know, it's a mechanism in our brain that says, you can keep sharing here. Let's take this relationship deeper. We need those kind of signals in our sensory system because just like our lungs are always breathing when we're not thinking of it, uh, our uh, brain is constantly sending uh, relational signals, if you will, that we're not really thinking of either. And so 
then there's this place where trust is cognitized. So when we do notice those sensations, we have a greater ability to say, hey, that's trust. I want to be in this relationship. I want to take it deeper in a very intentional way versus if we're not really paying attention to what that is for us, then it can be harder for us to understand when we walk around in the world who we can give that trust to and who we are going to have stronger boundaries with. So um, a few of our listeners mentioned a few things that they identify as trust in a relationship. And I want to share a few of those. A word that came up more than once, which I thought was really interesting, was transparency. Hmm. Transparency, which I thought was really interesting because my husband and I have talked about writing a book called Transparent Jesus. <laughs> um, <laughs> And how he constantly offers himself in the offers himself in the gospel in this really transparent way. Like when you meet with Jesus, there is some mystery because he's the God of the universe. But I think that the people in relationship with Jesus, and when we meet in relationship with Jesus around the word, you have the sense that you know what you're gonna get. You know, he does surprise us, that is true, and and so do people in our lives. Uh, but at the same time, there is this uh the sense of stability, I think that Jesus provides for people, even while he was, you know, a rebellious soul, if you will, against uh, the Pharisees and things like that. He brings with it a sense of trust. And I think that's one reason why people, they came up to him for healing because of their sense of desperation, but also because I think he exuded this trustworthiness because that is his very, one of his very names, you know, is trust. Jesus does those things perfect. Um, and so I think that's kind of a cool way when you look at the gospel readings, for instance, look for the transparency of Jesus. Look for how he shares himself um, in truth and honesty and love. He's, he doesn't always sugarcoat things. That's not always comfortable. But you know what you're going to get that again, back to that braving acronym that we've talked about the last few episodes, that's that integrity, his character remains the same, no matter what, and God does that perfectly. Um, Another one that came up is honesty. And I think we can all agree that that is really important in a relationship for trust. When trust is broken, it usually has to do with honesty. I would like to say that in families in particular, this also happens with uh, secrets. So if there's a family secret, people will have a sense of that, even if they don't know the fact that there is a secret. So children, this is one reason why children get anxiety. You know, I think it's one thing that contributes to it. Like when we hold family secrets and aren't honest with one another in developmentally appropriate language, they know. <laughs> and it does feed the anxiety in a relationship and in a system. And anxiety is definitely averse to trust unless we're working through it together in transparency. So what what kind of things did you get, Sarah? I know you had some responses too. Do you remember any of them? I have some in my notes too. I don't. I sent them all to you. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. I'll just keep talking then. Um, I like talking. Um, someone said, and I thought this was really insightful because we were just talking about kind of our physical sensations of trust is being able to be quiet with each other. 
So what comes up when there's silence? You know, is it anxiety or is it a sense of comfort and trust? And what does that look like in your relationships? I do think we learn a lot about our relationships that we have in the silence with one another. That was really, really insightful. Um, Someone else said, knowing we can forgive one another. And I would say that's one of the hugest ones because imagine relationships where you don't know that that's available. You know, how there's that idea of non judgment is not going to happen when I don't know if forgiveness is available because judgment will come eventually. I will mess up. <laughs> like that's just a reality. Mm-hmm. And so part of non judgment is knowing that forgiveness is going to be available when that comes up. And then just a couple more uh, believing uh, the person has the best in mind for both of us. Uh, And I thought this was, again, a very insightful one, because when we talk about the eighth commandment, we talk about that idea that uh, putting the best perspective on things uh, is kind of the hidden part of the eighth commandment. And I think that that's probably the one that will build one of the strongest senses of trust. If I can believe that you put the best perspective on my care and my affection, as well as my mistakes, that's going to make a big difference for trust in our relationship. And God knew that, you know, he's the one who wrote the commandment. So, all right, Andy says we need a break. So I will take a break. (laughs) Yeah, there's so many, so many good things that uh, build off of uh, forgiveness and and trusting each other we do need to take a break you're listening to the coffee hour i'm sarah golseth i'm andy bates you're a miracle you know that right a living breathing one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Mental Health Monday. We're checking in with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman for our series on trust today. We're talking about building trust. How is trust built? And uh, before we went to break, Heidi, we're uh, digging into some of the comments from listeners on this very subject of trust. Where would you like to go with this uh, topic of trust from here? Yeah, I had one more listener one that I wanted to go on. And then I think we can go into some of the ways that God has developed inside of us and with us in relationship with us to develop trust, you know, because I do think trust is something to attend to in our relationship with God. Um, And so we'll get into that in just a second. But one of the last things one of the listeners said was being able to be vulnerable without fear, it will be used against me. Mm-hmm. And I think the last half of that is really important that uh, trust is built when we know that things won't be used against us there. And that has to do with this idea of reciprocity in relationship. And I talk about reciprocity a lot in Altogether Beautiful. We see it really clearly in the book, The Song of Songs in scripture in both uh, the vertical or the horizontal relationship uh, between the man and woman, but also the vertical relationship between them and God. And so 
We need to know that uh, our words will be uh, held in like the vault is what Brene Brown calls it, that you're not going to share it with someone else um, if I share something with you. And one of the ways actually in relationship that we build that the most is by knowing that other people's words are not also shared by you. And so trust is built in our relationship when you don't gossip about anyone to me. Um, and I think that can be easily overlooked. Like we, we, we know that we don't want our friends to gossip about us, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> However, <laughs> it's really interesting to me that trust is even more greatly built when you don't talk about other people to me in a hurtful manner or in a way that's not necessary. Um, and so that's one reason that I think we see gossip really tear down relationships insidiously, like we don't see it right away, but eventually it will break down the relationship because the vault is not withheld. Um, We believe that those words will be used against us eventually. And that's a really, really powerful thing. Um, And so, yeah, do you guys have any thoughts on those kind of listener concepts that we just went through before we move on? The, the reciprocity uh, thing is, is so important, I think. Um, and just building off of, of being open with each other. And I'm thinking through all of my relationships with my close friends now and like ticking all these boxes, which I think, <laughs> I think it's a, is a good thing uh, to, to have that foundation of, of trust in friendship. We wanted to talk about uh, what, how, how God builds up this trust in, in us and in each other. Yeah, definitely. So God always does these things perfect. And so in any of our relationships, like you were saying, ticking the boxes, if we can't tick a box, it's something we can ask for. It's Mm -hmm. not like that thing that just exists and, oh, it's hopeless. Instead, in our relationships, we can say, I, you know, I really think I need this from you. What do you need from me? And that can be a really powerful thing that actually does build trust in our relationships because that's transparency. That's honesty. That's setting boundaries. Um, And so God he amazingly offers us the same thing, even though he doesn't need to. He's the God of the universe, yet he says, ask me for what you need and I will bring it to you. And so his word is secure in our hearts and in our minds. We have it available to read every day when we have a hard time believing it. And so I just want to share a few passages about trust and what God does for us to build trust in his relationship with us reciprocally. God does not have to be reciprocal, but he always is. And that's amazing. That's the entire reason he sent Christ Jesus was so we could exist in a relationship that was reciprocal instead of one-sided or instead of non-existent. Um, And so Psalm 13, five says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. And so salvation is a critical place of trust we stand in with God. When life falls apart, when things aren't going as planned, when we don't understand why God didn't protect us from something and give us a sense of safety, we turn to salvation. That's where our heart rejoices because we know he's faithful in that. Um, And so if you are struggling with trust in God, turn back again and again and again to the Gospel of John, I think is particularly helpful, but really any of the Gospels to read the story of God's affection in sending an incarnate Savior to be with you and save you. That builds trust in our systems for God. Um, Psalm 20 verse 7 says, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. So that's another thing that 
builds trust. The names of God in scripture help us have a foundation for who he is. You know, Jesus is always the first name, but look at the Trinity, father. What does father mean? And how does God gives us trust as father when maybe our earthly father, or our earthly parents or other earthly caregivers didn't give us what we needed, especially. Um, same thing with spirit. What does spirit mean that God is doing in our lives in reciprocity? And how does that build trust in us? Look at the I am's of scripture scripture. Who is God? Um, and knowing that all of that is true in Christ Jesus, that builds trust in us. And the last one I wanted to mention is Luke 16, 10. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. That God not only is always faithful when people are not, that he has trust in us that is remarkable. And we talked about this in our first episode on what is trust, but the fact that God, uh, even when we mess up, when the people of Israel over and over again adulterated themselves before God and were unfaithful, he gave them trust and built in them relationship and brought Christ into it so they could have forgiveness to build the trust continuously with them. And in heaven, you know, we're going to have perfect trust, a perfect sense of trust um, and a perfect sense of safety. And that will be a truly awesome day of healing and restoration for our souls um, when Christ comes back for us in particular. So I'm so glad that you mentioned that he is an incarnate savior, Mm -hmm. that, Mm -hmm. that Jesus uh, became man, you know, that, um, because as you pointed out earlier, each of us, uh, we're all different in terms of how we, uh, how we perceive things and just the fact that he is an incarnate savior and still today gives us not only his word to hear, but sacraments, mm-hmm. uh, where there's not just something we hear, but we see and taste <laughs> that, mm-hmm. To, to build that trust. I mean, that's uh, that's so valuable to me. Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting that our natural selves, you know, we all have our old Adam inside of us and, and we feel like Paul so often, the very things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. Um, and so there are times when I feel far from God and so I don't want to go. You know, I don't want to go meet with God. I don't want to go take his body and blood. I don't want to be part of it because I'm frustrated with him. Or, you know, I have a little bit of a cutoff in my relationship with him. Instead, the thing that we can do that builds that trust back into the system is really to go and take, eat the body and blood of Christ, the all of that shed for you. I think that, you know, it has many, many benefits, forgiveness being primary, but one thing it does give us is this uh, really uh, mysterious awareness of our connection to God. And that is trust. When we feel disconnected, because trust is really intimately uh, connected to that sense of safety we have in this life, when we have that ruptured, going to have the body and blood of Christ does mysteriously repair it. And over time, sometimes it doesn't, you know, you don't feel it all the time. That's not faith. (laughs) It's, I think faith could easily be seen what you don't see, but also what you don't feel all the time. Um, And so just knowing that that is part of God's mystery in the sacrament is that he's connecting himself to us. That's a really powerful thing. I appreciate that you brought that up, Andy. 
So then now you want to make me go to church again. And I just went to church yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) What are some, what are some ways we can build that trust uh, in our relationships with each other too? Yeah, I think uh, reading the word is going to give us that foundational sense of safety for ourselves so that we can go out and give it to other people. Just like other things included in the gospel, if we are not tending to our relationship with God, it it will make our relationships with other people suffer. Um, Part of that is just being in a place of health where we know that we're cared for, there's someone who's going to come through for us all the time that we have trust in gives us space to be able to go out and then hand it or give it to other people. It also gives that space for healing. And so we talked about hymns last time and and using some of the hymns about trust uh, to be able to write on our brains the things that we don't believe, you know, to remind us of God's faithfulness and worthiness when uh, we're having a hard time trusting. Those are really good places to turn. Let God tend to your heart, um, but then also let him give you an opportunity to like literally feel connected. I know I said that faith isn't, it's not about the feelings, but God gives us more grace, right? That's what the book of James and the book of John say. And so he does come through a lot with these uh, ways that our bodies and our minds and our hearts were built in order to connect with him. Hmm. All right. We have just one minute left. Uh <laughs> Anything you want to pack into this last minute on trust today? (laughs) Just really understanding that um, if your trust is broken, um, turn to the Lord. (laughs) You know, I I can't say it enough uh, that he will be the one who comes through. And by finding some healing in that relationship, then we can find healing in our other relationships. Um, Whether that means strong boundaries, whether that means a break in the relationship in this earthly life, some things can only be repaired um, when Christ comes again. You know, his restoration may look different than we would like it to look, but I promise you it will be beautiful and it's time. And so give yourself, trust is also boundaries, trust is also grace. And so weighing those two things within your relationships is a really powerful thing. Mental Health Monday on the Coffee Hour with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. Heidi, always great to chat with you. Thanks for the insights today on trust. We'll see you next time. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golta. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere.